Let's open with prayer. God, I just thank you for this day, for the beauty of it, for the opportunities that lie ahead of us today to connect with people and share the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ with maybe someone who needs to hear that word from us today. I thank you, Lord, that you ordained worship. It wasn't our idea. It was your idea. Scripture says that you inhabit the praises of your people. So as we come together here today corporately, we remember that we're supposed to have lifestyles of worship. It's not something that we just do for however many minutes on a Sunday or Monday evening and then back to the grind. It's to be a lifestyle. But for the time that you have called us together corporately here, help us to focus on you and you alone. You are the object of our work, of our focus, you of our worship. You are the focus of our worship. You are indeed the reason for worship. Without you, we have no worship at all. God, speak to us today. Send your Holy Spirit to enlighten each one of us as we read through scriptures, as we proclaim your word. It's not me, Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that does the speaking. So, God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come now and fill each one of us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. This scripture is not on your handouts, nor is it on the screen, because I didn't get it until right before the, the uh, last service, so bear with me. It's from John chapter 10, uh, John chapter 16, verse 10. Jesus is meeting with his friends, his disciples, and others in that upper room that night before he was betrayed and would go to the cross. He's telling them... <clears throat> He's telling them about those things that are most important to him, most important in his life, most important for them to remember as he goes away. And Jesus says this, I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he... The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. And I pray that that's what he will do today as we continue in the series on prayer, why and how do I pray? And I've titled the message for today, does God still, or does God speak to us today? Because that's a question I'm asked a lot. Yeah, I know he spoke to Moses in that burning bush, but does he speak to us today? I haven't heard anybody say that he spoke to them. 
That's what we're going to look at today. But to catch you up, if you haven't been here the past couple of times, the first week in the series, we looked at the four purposes for prayer. And and I told you that prayer is an act of dedication, an act of devoting yourself to God, an act of becoming dependent on God, not independent from God, but dependent on Him. And prayer is an act of communication. We know that we talk to God in prayer, but we also listen to God in prayer, a vital part. We're going to talk more about that one today. Prayer is an act of supplication, that churchy word, remember, that just means asking or requesting. We all know that when we pray to God, that's when we do our asking. Okay, God, this is my wish list here. This is what I want. These are the things, you know. So we're pretty familiar with supplication, even though we may not be familiar with that word. And fourthly, prayer is an act of cooperation. And I told you that it's the the mode that God has set in place before the foundation of the earth for us to do His work here. Even though He he is not, even though Christ is not here with us anymore. We can still pray, and the work gets done through our prayers. Two weeks ago, we looked at the five conditions for answered prayer. And I showed you that in Scripture, God says, you have to meet some conditions if you want your prayers to be answered. You must meet some conditions. I I looked at these five. I know there's others that could be pulled out, but these were the five that were uh, most forefront on my mind. The first is you must have an honest relationship with God. In other words, you have to admit or admit that you've done something wrong. You have to confess what you've done wrong. He expects us to do that. The scripture says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you have to confess those sins. The second part of that honest relationship is obedience. He expects us to be obedient. Remember, I said he doesn't demand perfection from us. He demands obedience from us. That's all, just obedience. He knows that we're going to be imperfect people because we are imperfect people. And the third part of that relationship thing is wanting God's will, really wanting God's will. Do we really want what we're praying for? And it's what we're praying for in God's will. But do we really want that? Are you sure you really want what you're praying for? Are you sure? The second condition for answered prayer I uh, submitted to you was have a forgiving attitude toward others. Forgiving other people. Remember, loving God and loving others were the great commandments. Loving God, loving others. Forgiving others is a part of that. And I told you that bitterness is what grows up, takes root in our hearts. And that bitterness causes all kinds of problems for us. It can play out in health issues and emotional issues and other relationship issues. Bitterness, that awful pill that we sometimes swallow when we 
fail to forgive others. The third condition for answered prayer was being willing to share the results with others. Remember Shana Binkowski, the young girl that had a miraculous healing on the last Alpha course? Her vision was brought back fully when we prayed for her. Actually, she came up. She, she, didn't, she didn't come up to be prayed for her eyes. She came up to pray for her husband. And the person that was praying with her said, you've been healed. Your eyes are healed. And she wasn't expecting that. But instantly her eyes were healed. You've got to share those results. When God gives you answers to prayer, you have a testimony, and He expects you to use that testimony to encourage others to pray more. He doesn't give us that testimony to, to puff us up, but for us to use to encourage others. The fourth condition for answered prayer, I said you have to believe that God will answer. You've got to go to Him expecting You've got to expect him to answer. None of this hopey, wishy sort of thing when you're praying. You've got to expect. You've got to know. You've got to believe. You've got to have faith that he will answer that prayer. That's another portion of what we're going to talk about a little bit today in more depth. And the last and probably the most important of those is you have to pray in Jesus' name. Prayers have to be prayed in Jesus' name. You don't get to the bottom of the prayer, and it's a nice thing to say in the Lord's name, in the Father's name, or just amen, or in your name, or whatever, you know. He says, pray in my name, in my name. There's power in the name of Jesus. The name above every other name, that is the name of Jesus Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Pray in Jesus' name. So one of those conditions that we listed there was you must have faith. You must believe. And it's been said by a number of different people. I kind of Googled it this week, and I must have gotten 150 different results. Uh, of who said this, so uh, I don't know who said it, but I'm saying it to you now. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to prayer. Faith is the key that unlocks that door to prayer. And that's easy for me to stand up here and say, but there are those times, those situations that are so big, those circumstances that are so overwhelming that it's hard to have faith, isn't it? Haven't you been there? I've been there. So how do we have faith in a faithless situation? I hope we can go away from here today perhaps understanding that just a little better. Romans 10:17 tells us where faith comes from. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. The verse says we get faith by hearing the Word of Christ, the Word of God. If you want to build faith in your life, fill your life with the Bible. 
The more Bible knowledge you have, the more faith you'll have. The less Bible knowledge you have or the less you know about the Bible, the less faith you'll have. I mean, it kind of works like that. It's a specific word of God for you. There's a Greek word that's, the word is rhema, that we'll talk about a little bit more, but that's, that's what we're talking about. The, the keys to prayer in the Bible are the promises of God, and, and I didn't go through and count them, but I, I have read in other accounts that there's over 7,000 promises in the Bible. That's a bunch of promises that God has made to His people. They're like blank checks. They're gifts that are there waiting to be received. But we have to ask and receive them. If you want a dynamic prayer life, you get a promise, you claim it, you grab onto it, and you can have answer to prayer. Now, I'm not espousing here some sort of health and wealth, you know, sort of, you know, you know me, you've if you've been around here any time at all, that's not what we talk about here. It's not health and wealth and all that stuff. Prosperity gospel. But I think promises in the Bible are very important. See, there's, there's a, a verse in the Bible for every need in your life. I do believe. For every need that comes up in your life, there is a verse in the Bible for it. For every problem that's in your life, there is a verse in the Bible for it. And the more promises you know, the more Scripture you know, the more powerful your prayers will be. I mean, that doesn't take a lot of intellect. The question then becomes, oh, this is a good one. Well, why don't the promises always work? The promises are there. Why don't they work for me? Why don't they work? This past week, I read about a man who was a diabetic, and he read the verse that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, John 14, 14, that says, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He read that verse. So he went out and he prayed, God, I'm going to ask you to cure my diabetes. And he threw his insulin away. Just threw it away. Three days later, he died. Three days later, he died. What happened? God promised, didn't he? Why didn't it work? You said we could ask for anything. Doesn't God say in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you? Isn't that what he says? Doesn't he mean it? Well, the fact of the matter is there's a misconception in most of us a misconception that we have about these promises of God. And that takes us to the big idea for today. And it's this. You can't automatically claim a promise that's been given to somebody else in the Bible unless the Holy Spirit gives it to you. You can't claim somebody else's promise in the Bible unless it's given specifically to you by the Holy Spirit. And to understand what we're going to talk about today, I think it's it's necessary to understand that God has two ways of talking to us. Two ways. Generally or universally to everybody and personally He speaks to us, to specific people. He gives specific messages 
for specific situations at specific times. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, in the Greek language. And I wish I had kept up with my Greek more. I probably have forgotten more Greek than I ever knew. Uh, But I know that in Greek there's two words for the word word. (laughs) There's two words for the word word. The first word for word is logos. Logos. And it means the written word. And the second word for word is rhema. And it means the spoken word. Now, if you are a Greek scholar, you know there's more definitions than what I just gave you. But if we pair them right down, that's what we're going to use today is the written word and the spoken word. When you hear the phrase, the word of God, sometimes it's the logos of God and sometimes it's the rhema of God. The Logos is the Word of God to everybody. This Bible is the Logos of God. From Genesis to Revelation, including the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, the 23rd Psalm, all those favorite verses that you like, that's the Logos of God. It's God's Word to everybody. A logos is the foundation for the second type of word, which is rhema. And rhema is the word of God to you personally, to you personally. A specific word, a specific promise to a specific person in a specific period of time, and for that time only. So that big idea says we can only claim a promise when it is a rhema to us, when it's the specific word to us. Understand? Here's some examples that I found that we might use from Scripture. The first is about this lady named Sarah. Sarah was Abraham's wife. And one day God came to Sarah and said, Guess what, Sarah? You're going to have a baby. Well, there's nothing so incredible about that except Sarah was 90 years old and her husband Abraham was 99 years old. That makes it pretty incredible. It was a specific word to Sarah. God didn't say in the whole nation of Israel, every woman when she reaches 90 years of age is going to have a baby. That wasn't his word. It was a specific rhema, a word of God to Sarah, not to anybody else, just to Sarah. And getting a personal promise of God like that is the key to miracles taking place. You can almost be certain there's a miracle coming when something like that happens. It's a key to answered prayer. When God speaks to you personally, then you can act on it. Not when he uses it for everybody and you say, oh, well, well, he said it to that person over there, so I'm going to claim that promise on my life. It doesn't work that way. That's why the last time we were together, we looked at John 15, 7, and it says this, if you remain in me and my 
words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and then it will be given you. What the verse says is, if you continue in my rhema, not my logos, if you continue in my specific word to you, then you can have answered prayer. Remember the story of Peter walking on the water? Remember that story? I believe it's in Mark. Peter's out in a boat, and all the disciples are with him, and it's nighttime, dark, and Jesus comes walking across the water, and and Peter says, Lord, call me and let me come to you. And Jesus gives Peter a rhema, a specific word for a specific man in a specific situation. He says, Peter, jump out of the boat and come on out here to me. Come on. And Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking across the water. Now, what I think is really interesting in the story is that nobody else got out of the boat. Only Peter got out of the boat. Why? Because it was a specific word for Peter, not a word for everybody. It wasn't a universal general word. The next day, Peter didn't get up and, and say, okay, boys, let's go fishing, but we won't need a boat today. We'll just walk on the water. Didn't work that way. It's a one-time thing. And you don't read about Peter walking on water any other time. And we can't take that passage in Scripture and say, well, Peter walked on water, so I'm going to walk on my swimming pool. Try it and see what happens. Don't try to operate on a rhema given to somebody else. It won't work. We get into trouble when we try to force a general promise to everybody to work as a special personal promise to us without the Holy Spirit telling us that it's definitely for us. He might do that. He might tell us this promise is for us, but only if he tells us it's for us. I talk to people who have read in the Bible about healing. They'll read a verse maybe on healing, and they say, well, God healed them, so I think God will heal me. And they pray and they believe. They have faith. They have deep faith, a deep conviction of faith. But in spite of that faith, nothing happens. And then they get mad at God because he didn't heal them. Why, Why didn't you heal me, God? It says in the Bible that you will, and you said so, and why didn't you do it? I really need this healing. But they didn't have a personal word from God for this particular thing. They were only using a general word that was used or that was seen in Scripture. That's kind of like reading a verse. If I were to read a verse, then I'd go home and find some arsenic and drink it. I actually saw a TV show where they were drinking arsenic in some church up in, I don't know, Kentucky, Tennessee, somewhere up there, and they were drinking it and handling snakes and all this stuff, and I'm thinking, no, 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 we don't, I don't think we have any here. 
If they are, they're hidden to me. God hadn't promised to take care of me if I drink arsenic. I'm telling you, He hasn't. It's not a specific word to me. It's a general promise that we were talking about. And in order to understand how prayer works, we need to understand that God speaks in two ways. He speaks generally to everybody, the Word of God to everyone, that logos, and He speaks personally to individuals, and that's rhema. That's how you get answers to prayer. So, how does God speak to me personally? Well, that's what I want to know. How does He speak to me personally? I think this principle that I'm trying to share is, is maybe um, the, the key for today. If you go away with this understanding, it may be the key to you. It's the key to miracles in your life. It's the key to understanding God's will for your life. It's the key to difficult situations or circumstances that come up in your life. It's the key to having faith in that hopeless, faithless situation. How does God speak to us personally? Some of you, if you've been around the church for a while, might remember a Bible study that came out, um, gee, now probably about 30 years ago because they had a 20th, 25th anniversary of it a few years back. The Bible study was called Experiencing God. Henry Blackaby wrote that Bible study, Experiencing God. And in there, he says, God speaks to us today, not like he spoke to Moses through the burning bush. Don't look for the burning bush, he says. God speaks to us today in a number of ways. He speaks to us through prayer, through the Bible, through circumstances, through other people, through the church, and through the Holy Spirit. There's a number of ways that he speaks to us. It, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's duty is to take the Bible and make it apply to us personally, to you and to me personally, to make it come alive for us. John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus again, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So part of the job description for the Holy Spirit is to teach us and to remind us. And then in John 16, 13, Jesus goes on to say, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. So in those two verses, John 14, 26 and John 16, 13, Jesus, God made flesh, says the Holy Spirit is to do two things in our lives. Uh, three things, excuse me. Teach us, remind us, and guide us. Three things he's to do. Now, he does a lot more, but those are three prime pieces of the Holy Spirit's job description. He's to make the scriptures apply to our lives personally in a dynamic way. In other words, he takes the logos and turns it into rhema. He takes the logos, the word to everybody, and turns it into the word specifically for me. He changes it, and there's a, in theological circles, there's a term for that. It's called illumination. 
He illuminates the Scriptures for us. He brings light to the Scriptures. The ones that we could could not understand, we can now begin to understand. It's his job. It's his duty. And and this is nothing mystical that I'm talking to you about. It's happened to all of us, and I'm sure that it's happened to you. Have you ever been in a church service? Certainly it didn't happen here, not, not in this church. Have you ever been in a church service when the pastor is speaking and all of a sudden you feel like he's talking directly to you? This word is for you. Like there's nobody else in the room but you. And you wonder, how does that guy know? How does he know? How does he know what, that I've got this problem today? I haven't told anybody about it. And he knows exactly what I need. How can that be? The number one comment that I get after church services is, uh, I enjoyed the sermon. Well, let me tell you, if you're going to tell me you enjoyed the sermon, go on down to Alabama Theater or something. I'm, I'm not here for you to enjoy the sermon. I'm here for you to be convicted by it, to learn something from it, to gain from it. But if enjoyment is what you came for, then go somewhere else. Really. I mean, really. But I'll hear that every Sunday. The next thing I hear, the next most important thing I hear from everybody, really the most important, is you said exactly what I needed to hear today. And I didn't say anything different in this service than I did in the 9 o'clock service or the Monday night service. I mean, it's all right here. I don't vary much from this. You said exactly what I needed to hear today. Now, it's my human nature to say it's because of my superior knowledge of human behavior that I was able to figure out what it is that you needed to hear today. But I, I can't take credit for it. I have nothing to do with it. I simply get up here week after week after week after week and proclaim the logos to you. And the Holy Spirit takes it and says, bingo, this is what it means to you, Tony. This is what it means to you, Dean. This is what it means to you, Jake. Let me apply this to your life. I say something to you here, and, and sometimes it may relate to you in a totally different way at a totally different time. Maybe at work on Wednesday morning it applies. Maybe, maybe you're in a conversation with a neighbor and it applies. Maybe it's a relationship issue that it applies to. And we haven't talked at all about relationships. God takes a general word and makes it apply specifically to you. He gives you a rhema. The Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God for you. Have you ever been talking to somebody, say a friend or a neighbor, about their problem and, and you're, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder what this person needs to hear. I mean, I, I hear what they're saying, but my, I, I just don't know what to what to say to them. And then, bingo, all of a sudden, a scripture pops into your mind. The perfect scripture, they think, for that situation. 
just exactly when you needed it, it came to mind. How did it happen? God gave you a rhema. Holy Spirit gave you a specific word for a specific time for a specific situation. Have you ever been worrying about a, a major decision or a problem and struggle, or struggling with an issue and, and all of a sudden you remember something that was said in a message three months ago and you don't even take good notes? It fits perfectly. It applies. God gave you a rhema. He spoke to you personally. And that's the way that God speaks into our lives today. The Holy Spirit takes that general Word of God and makes it come alive. But then we have to ask this question. We can't go on without asking this question. How do you know it's God that's speaking into your life? How do you know it's Him? And I think there's two ways that you can know. First of all, if it's God giving you that impression, it will always agree with the Bible. Always agree with the Bible. God never contradicts what He's already said in His Word. Never, never, never contradicts. If you think that God's giving you an impression about something and it's slightly off kilter with the Scripture, I guarantee you it's not from God. I guarantee you don't go there. You know when it's God because it's all, it always agrees with Scripture. And when it's God giving you those impressions, the second thing is all of a sudden the Scripture comes alive for you. The Scriptures just come alive. They take on new meaning. If, if I were to say, if I were to look out here at this congregation and say, I love you. I do. I mean, I love Renovation Church. I love every person here. I love you. But that's kind of a general word for everybody. If I were to say, God loves you. That's still a kind of general word for everybody. But before you became a Christian, how many times did you hear that phrase, God loves you? God loves you. God loves you. And it just kind of rolls off your back like water off a duck, or it did with me. And then one day, all of a sudden, God burned that truth into my life, and I realized, God loves me, me. Wow. All of a sudden, I realized he loves me. God loves George Wilson. In spite of all of his hang-ups, in spite of all of his faults, in spite of all of his bad habits, in spite of all of his weaknesses, his frailties, his fears, his failures, his problems, God loves me. And God loves you, Sarah, and you, Dixie, and you, Lisa, and you, Mickey. God loves you. Point to every one of you here. He loves you. 
I think the verse that did it was that John 3.16 thing that we all know. For God so loved the world. Yes, I knew He loved the world. Of course He loves the world. But then I realized, for God so loved me that He gave His only Son for me. Changed my life. I was born, reborn. I was born again, I should say. I was born again. I was converted or uh, came to faith or whatever term you want to use for that process that, that takes place. I was a new person. All of a sudden, God's Word to everybody in general became very personal to me. I'd heard it, I don't know, a thousand times probably in church. But all of a sudden, it came alive when the Holy Spirit spoke that verse to me. One of the results of getting a a rhema from God, a personal word from God, is that it builds tremendous faith. Faith in your prayer life, faith in God Himself for you. Faith comes by hearing the rhema of God, not the logos of God, not just the logos of God, but the rhema of God, that specific word for you. Faith comes from God speaking personally to me. And I get this confidence that, yeah, He is going to answer my prayer. He is. I know He is. Have you ever had a quiet time or a devotional time you know, where you kind of get alone with God somewhere, maybe in your house or maybe in a a special location that's yours. You sit down and you open up the Bible and you read and you're starting to read this Scripture verse that you've read many times before. And as you're reading through, all of a sudden, the Word just jumps off that page into your life. I mean, it's been there, but you've never seen it before. Never seen it. That happens to me a lot. A phrase will jump off the... I mean, it'll be like in bold print and jump off the page. It's that dramatic. And you think, I've never seen this before. Or all of a sudden you have a new way of applying that Scripture. Maybe, Maybe it's a Scripture that you've known. Maybe you've memorized it. But you see a new way that it can apply to your life or to someone's someone else's life that you've never dreamed of before. That's exactly what you needed for that day. Exactly what they needed to hear from you that day. That's a rhema. The Holy Spirit takes a general word to everybody and applies it to you in a personal and practical way, a way that can be applied. You can't automatically claim a promise that's been given to somebody else in the Bible unless the Holy Spirit gives it to you. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for your logos. I thank you for your rhema. I thank you that you do still speak to us today in powerful ways. 
I pray, Lord, that we would get new hearing aids. That we would learn to listen. That we would dig into your word, your Bible. So that we know when you're speaking to us. So that we know when you're living up to a promise that you've made to us. Give us confidence in prayer, Lord. Increase our faith. Cause us, Lord, to want to spend more and more and more time with you each day. And then have us share that answered prayer with others so that we might help to encourage them and build up their faith. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first week that we were together, you may recall, and some of you that weren't here wouldn't, even, wouldn't know this, but the first week we were t- together, I asked uh, some of you, or I asked all of you, to pray about a, a single thing, one thing that you wanted to pray for and see if God would answer that for you. Sorry. See if God would answer that for you. Um, today in the first service, we had some fantastic answers to prayer that people shared. I was wondering if anybody here has had an answer to that prayer that you would share with this group. I know it's I know it's a big group, and I know it's kind of, I don't want to do that in front of this group, and I... Uh, but you'll just be talking to me. You won't be talking to anybody else except this microphone. And uh, I would love for you to share. I'll hide this behind my back. You won't have to see it. Anyone have an answer to prayer? So, God's not working in our lives. Is that what I'm together? Jerry. I really don't feel like I can share this with everybody. Just me. But Just it's me. an unspoken. Uh-huh. But I have been praying since that time, and God has truly answered that prayer. Okay. So it was of a confidential nature, but he has answered it. Okay. Thank you for being the first. The dam is broken. Now you can speak up. Oh, Pat, sorry. Yes, ma'am. I've had quite a few things to happen to me, health-wise, that can only come from the Father. And Jesus has put his hands on my body physically and made an ailment mm. go away. Yeah. I've been praying for something that he's put on my heart, and it's been three weeks since he, I felt this. I've been praying that I have, even the way I am now, I want to make a contribution to this church. 
I don't know how. I've been thinking of all the ways that I, I have uh, worked in the past. And so the other day, what this is this sounds I was asked by the Lord to take both your hands and say to you that the projects that in the future are going to be enormous financially and motivationally for our church. What I did in the past, I charted a whole year and I put everything that had to do with that year on that calendar. And I also did something else. I put down how much we needed to, to spend for that project. Mm. And everything was in pencil, so it could be changed and, and altered. Uh-huh. But if you c- can feel the trust, and if our congregation can feel the trust, I'd like to try this for you so that anyone can walk into it somewhere in the church and know immediately I am responsible for this on this date or we are starting this project on this date. I'd like to try to help the church in that way. Okay. And I feel like your shoulders are carrying a tremendous amount. And there are others among us that can take on some of these things. And it may seem minuscule, but for you, it can be a big help. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Well, none of you know me, and you don't know Jim. We're here the first time, but maybe the last. I don't know. (laughs) Well. But we came down from up north where it is snowing and raining and blowing and whatever, and we're glad to be here. However, there were a number of hurdles that we had to get across in order to make this trip. We were supposed to leave between Christmas and New Year. Well, we couldn't because things happened. And then we thought we were coming again, and then Jimmy Hugh had this slight stroke. And I said, well, Lord, but this has been in the works for months now. Well, long story short, we had to get through We had to get through three doctors to be able to come. And if one said no, then we wouldn't come because of Jim's health. And then there were some other extenuating circumstances. Um, I am a professional musician. I play every Sunday at church, and that was a little problem to get them to say, it's okay for you to go for two months. (laughs) And then there was one more hurdle that we had to cross. And Pastor talked about praying today. 
I mean, really down to earth praying where you take your shoes off or your socks and you get down in the mud and you say, Lord, if, if you don't send the answer, we aren't doing this. Well, we prayed and then we let it go and we didn't say one more word to anybody. By golly, just the week before we were to come, the answer to the prayer. And it didn't come so that I could say, oh, glory, it happened. Oh, no, no, black and white. Hold it in your hands, prayer answered. Now, listen to your pastor. It does work. And you do what he says. And I'm so glad I could stand here and agree with you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. God is good. Yeah. And I hope you will come back. Yeah. Hope that wasn't your only time. Yes, ma'am. Nice to say, ma'am. <laughs> For those of you that don't know me, I'm John's mom. So I have had my prayers and your prayers answered when I had cancer surgery in July. And then and currently I am cancer-free. So I do appreciate everyone's concern here, even though you didn't know who I was. And above all, I thank the Lord for answering that prayer. Thank you. We're just getting started. Yes, ma'am. Joyce? Y'all are giving me a workout. Could we do it on one side and then the other, maybe? first prayer, but it was not about that, but a few weeks ago, I did uh, go up for prayer for back trouble. I was having serious back trouble, and it didn't appear that anything was happening, but you know something, I am really pain-free right now, and I just give it all thanks to the Lord, because I know it's, it's through that prayer and the prayers of the people that prayed with me, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Encouraged yet? Ashley, coming. I was going to attempt not to cry about this, so <laughs> if you know me, you know that might not happen. But um, I've been praying about the same thing for years. Thanks. Um, I've had some health issues that didn't have answers, and um, I don't typically pray for myself when there's big prayers to be prayed for. I tend to pray for those around me, but God told me to literally pray for myself. He said, no, this one's yours. So I prayed, and I said, okay, God, I need some answers. I'm tired of praying this. I'm tired of staying around, and I want to be healed, and I want some answers. So I had a doctor's appointment this last week, and I got an answer to everything I've ever wanted to know about my health, and she even answered questions that I didn't ask her. (laughs) (laughs) So we're on the way to being better and being healthier. I ask that you guys continue to pray about that, please, but I just... I just praise God and thank him for that because I've been praying a long time. (laughs) There's comfort in just knowing what it is, right? Putting a name with it. Anyone else? Yes, sir. You know, uh, I've been praying for a long time. And uh, he answers my prayers. Just remember, it may not be what you expect. 
Amen. You know, I asked to get closer to God, and I'm so close. But he took everything else away. There's joy in that. There's more joy in that than anything I can have. So keep praying. Have faith, even though it doesn't turn out the way you want it. Know that God hears you, and he loves you. Thank you. Thank you. God, once again, I thank you for answered prayer. I thank you for the way that you've worked in the lives of those of us here in this room just now. I know that you want to answer prayer for others. Sometimes it's patience that we run short of. Give us patience, give us give us strength and encouragement. Maybe maybe these answers have encouraged us today to continue praying. God, we know that you love us. You love me. You love each one of us. Put, put your name there. So much that you sent your son to die for us. Thank you, Lord, for showing up here today in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. That same night that Jesus was in that upper room, he, he took bread and he broke the bread saying, Friends, this is my body, and it's broken for you. You know, I think in a very real way he knew the personal you. It wasn't the corporate you. I think he could see each one of us then. My body's broken for you. He took the cup after the meal and poured the wine in, saying, This cup is the new covenant... in my blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. He said, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this wine, you remember my death until I come. Oh man, there's a promise. Until I come. He is coming again. And it can't be too soon, can it? The meal that we celebrate here each week, he says to remember his death. Because that's the important thing. He died for you. He died for me. He died for each one of us. Taking our places so that we didn't have to experience the wrath of God that he did. He invites us today to come to his table to celebrate this meal with him. And I would ask as you prepare yourself to come that you think about your relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You think about where it is. Is it it really where you want it to be? 
If it's not, then go back to those points we were talking about for those conditions for answered prayer and admit to him that you've done wrong. Admit to him the things that you've done wrong. Confess to him the things that you have done wrong. And that promise in Scripture is that if we do confess, he will forgive us. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We use wine at renovation. If you choose not to use wine, I think there's juice on either side here readily available for you. Uh, you can drop your Connect cards, your Alpha registrations, your uh, offerings, your anything else that you're signing up for in those, uh, in those baskets on the two sides. We will have ministry team members, I think, on both sides here to pray with you as well. If there's some issue in your life, however insignificant you may think it is, God thinks it's, it's significant, and he wants you to talk to him about it. They're here to help you. Come to his table at his invitation this morning.